Hi, everyone, and welcome to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show on the Smarter by the Day podcast. I'm excited to welcome the host of Smarter by the Day podcast, Damon Cowboy347. How are you, bro? And I know you're excited about our guest, you know, talking to any professional athlete, professional athlete to professional athlete, and especially what he is doing, right, Damon? Yes, I'm super excited to be here in likeness. Um, and I'm super grateful. The world's been like wrestling the Anaconda the last five years. Thank you for your time, as always. <laughs> All right. Do, let's talk to Steve. Tell, introduce Steve for us, guys. Um, so today we are introducing a, um, a legend, um, uh, an 11-year pro uh, in, in the NFL, an author, uh, a leader, um, my brother, uh, Steve right yes lord <laughs> hi damon thank 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 you guys uh damon and neil for having me on a legend i don't know about a legend i'm not sure where that came from but legend in my own mind um i'm fortunate to have 11 year career right yeah. and, and you know what that's that's a modest introduction and that allows us to do what we do best here um man steve i, I, I want to get right to it uh, someone who has tied this sweat equity um, in, in one genre of work and um, just being a process and transcending into other purpose-driven um, avenues. Um, what was the most prevalent um, message that put you in position to say, hey, this is what I'm going to do next before we identify your, your other accolades? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great question with a very simple answer. Um, I do what feels best. I stay in the extreme present. Um, I let go of crummy things that have happened behind me and I don't plan out writing a book in front of me. If I would have seen the checklist of things that go into writing a book and putting it on the shelf, there's no way I would have done it. There's no way I would have taken my company, uh, my company Cloudburst and, attempted to cool the the 1996 summer olympics it was it was insur insurmountable it, you know just like trying out for the cowboys with 120 other free agents it's just mm -hmm. you know it's mind-boggling so if i take care of the business right now today i gotta i gotta run i gotta do my sprints i gotta get ready i show up for camp i don't think too far ahead of the scrimmage or the preseason game coming up because i've got five days in front of that so it's, I stay very present and I do the best I can at that moment, which then leads me to the next step and the next step and the next step. And then I'm on the team and then I've landed at the Olympics and then I got a book on the shelf. Yes. So it's uh, staying present is, is, is staying present. And if you think you've got something and it hits your gut, keep this out of it, keep your head out of it. Don't try to think through it and think yourself out of it kick ass right now and then that'll lead to better things um uh thank you so much for that steve there's this thing where i should have i should have said you know author you know owner of no. cloudburst um this is why we're here because you have a book um that's out right now and i'm super um honored to hear you know that modest you know lesson Right here, right now, uh, which is as a cognitive therapist, I think is necessary for leaders such as yourself, beacons of light such as yourself to to share that that is part of the process. So 
people can know that they're not by themselves. But when it comes to your your um your body of work, I'm sorry, when it comes to your your book, um aggressively human, right? Um, what is it about this this project, right? That that this self-gratification project that 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 made you want to put this out to the world and share this education um to your demographic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's an interesting question. I'm so sorry, but I'm going to take it back to the simple thing again. Uh, <laughs> All right. Yeah, it, and it's it's the honest truth. I wasn't planning on writing, which is now the 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 number one uh, new release on Amazon. I was I wasn't even thinking about getting it published or even finding an agent. I just uh, during the pandemic, uh, March in 2008, I just sat down and just started writing, writing about third grade, you know, and then seventh grade and then making the football team and then getting into a fight at school and then going, getting the scholarship to go to college and kind of one thing led to another and just kept moving it along. And my wife got involved and, and uh, we worked together on this. I really started to find a theme. There was, there was really no theme to the book when we started, it was just get things out there was no name to the book. We actually had a couple of names and it was, you know, it was just, you know, the Steve Wright story and oh, who wants to hear that? Had to come up with something a little more intriguing uh, and not trying to come up with it, but it, it developed itself. Um, so just started working on the book and then a theme started to develop when she really spotted, there was a, my, my animal uh, spirit, she'd always say was a golden retriever just happy and fun to be around people and just joyous and everything. But then she saw the Rottweiler, you know, right. that I needed to be at times. Um, since right. then I've become a Buddhist and, and mellowed out and gotten a little more, a little more centered, but back in the day, and it's leading into today's society back in the day, as you know, you're a cool, calm customer, but you get on the basketball court, you got to bring out the devil in you and yeah. you got you got to bring it and bring it all. So it's that pendulum of bringing the aggression, bringing the humanity. You know, we'd come out of the locker room and after three hours of going head to head with Reggie White or something like that, or Lawrence Taylor, and right, then I'm out right. in the parking lot and I got to be, I got to be, you know, someone's wanting to hold me to hold their baby while they take pictures. And I'm just like, you know, trying to keep from biting the kid's head off because I'm still kind of amped up. <laughs> so it's just, 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 uh, we all have it in us. And I call it the yin and the yang. You've got to have that beast in you. And you've got to have that love in you. And, and it's when to use it and how to use it and balance it and bring them together and, and, you know, be a, be a, a peaceful, be a peaceful warrior. Um, one of wow. my, one of my themes to it is be kind enough to be, be strong enough to be kind. Be strong right. enough to be kind. Now, Damon, I wanted to talk about his book was released just this week. Wow. And this is when it happened. Now people are reading it, Steve, right? Are you getting some good feedback from people that have read the book? Yeah, it's it's really fun to, uh, to, to I, I'm looking at the reviews every day and they're starting to build up. Amazon, um, I understandably, you know, who's Steve Wright and his author. And yeah, we'll get a few of his books in the warehouse, you know, but uh, they ran out of them fast. Um, so sales are going on and we'll see over the next couple of weeks now that they've reloaded, everybody's starting to get their, their books. We actually ordered a book 
when it first went on went on sale or even before it went on sale at Amazon. And here we got it just the other day, I think yesterday. And we were, we waited for a month and a half for it. So it's uh, it's I think the numbers will start really going up now. Freaking awesome. And congratulations on Thank that. You. Yes. Um, th this is huge. And, you know, you you're you're a um, <clears throat> you know, just from again, I'm honored to be here. You're a lover of adventure. Right. I love that part. And, you know, Cowboy 347, you know, Cowboys are adventurers now. Um, this thing, and, and even you even joining Survivor for 31 days. Right. What is this? What is this? Um, this knack or this 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 thing, this habit, this trait of you um, exploring and how does this 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 project, um, you know, feed that and and how does it promote what's to come? Right. Yeah. I'm a, I've been under the school of thought for many years of, I don't want to die with coulda, woulda, should ups. Mm. Um, if a door opens, if a door opens up, I don't care if it's even a bit interesting, something I've never done before. I'm going to keep this out of it and go with my gut instincts. That's been, that's been evolutionized in us for, you know, a million years this is right. this, this the gut instinct is you can say it how I used to say when I was a Christian that God was poking me, you know. Right, right. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't go. Maybe I shouldn't go on Survivor. Where is it? What's the temperature like? Oh, I'll miss my friends. I'll you know keep right. all that. Keep all that out. If it feels good, go and go hard and bring yeah. everything you have and be the best you can be. Oh, that's what you're promoting. Um, in, intuition, Steve. You yeah. gotta have the intuition. Yeah, you do. It's been developed in all of us, and yeah, it's 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 huge. Um, my my offensive, my uh, Mike Ditka, my old coach uh, with the Cowboys, told me he said, "Man, everybody here has got the physical tools. On the other side, this will decide. Above, you're gonna get your ass kicked. You're gonna get beat. You know, deal with it, figure it out. But the rest of my life, I'm going with my gut instincts, and it was it's just when I'm positive and open i think I, I i bring a positivity that people feel i think we've all got energies and if i feel good energy from you neil and you've got something for me i'm all in um, yeah that yeah. that's how we that's how we hit it off and you know mike dicka huge fan so we'll have to add the uh a conversation about mike dicka especially hail the pit as i always say you know pitt's football team not very good this year uh Basketball, maybe we'll see something different. But Damon, go ahead and your next question. I just wanted to bring up Dick. Uh, you know, you've been mentioning certain people. Steve's been mentioning some good relationships with people like Bo Jackson, Howie Long, Mike Dicka. The the list goes on and on. And Steve's just very humble about his success on the field and his relationships. But that's what I'm impressed about, Steve. But you know, thank you, thank you. And the reason I think that I I might be humble about it is because it's back there. I'm I'm, I'm 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 with you two guys. I'm, I'm with you two guys. I'm not with Bo Jackson or those guys. Those guys are in my review mirror. I love them. Uh, you know, I got all my buddies, but I'm not looking beyond Damon and Neil. I'm not looking at what I'm going to be doing this afternoon. Okay. I'm just listening. yeah. I got I got to tap into this. Um, I was already excited to meet you, um, Steve. I was already excited to meet you. Uh, just from your 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 acumen, your business acumen generally, and just the great things you've done for the culture of entertainment and 
just being a businessman. This beautiful, and I feel the positive energy even in this conversation. Uh, I'm the same way. I can feel it, and I'm honored. Uh, and I have to ask you just to, you know, just to pick your brain and, and to get a sense of like how you activated this this sense of awareness to to you know leave this out of it. I'm now right. You said now, I'm going with my with my gut feeling. And I feel that when we get to a certain, cause we are, we all are, all of us are processes, right? We're, we're, we're constant evolution, but how did you get to this point where you say now, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. going with my gut feeling. Yeah. What is that about? Yeah. I, I think it's, um, you know, it's like they say with, I, I don't know, drugs or, or something else, or trying to pick up a habit. It, it takes 20 or 30 days to pick up a habit or to get rid of a habit, you know, get off the sugar or whatever it is you, you know, you're trying to get rid of. I think it can work the other way too. And I've just, since I have gotten this book out, I noticed that my positivity and my love and my compassion and empathy have increased because I'm talking about it a lot. Um, I, I uh, really kind of enjoy Something like my wife would always say when I'm going out here surfing or something, she'd always say, bring the good juju. And mm. so I'd go out there and sure that you guys bitching about, uh, you know, it's my wave. No, it's my wave. And I just get in there and kind of just be buddies with both of them. And it's just kind of bring a little harmony. But I think you can, um, it, it's been developed in me just from seeing how it works. And it just feels attractive. My, my parents were, you know, I came from lucky. I was a loving family. Um, always positive and upbeat, but it was definitely, it was, it was natured, but it was nurtured too. And I, I just, you know, you know, I've nurtured that just, you know, all of us, when you walk down the street, a good chunk of the people over 50% are looking at the ground or they look at you and look away. And, you know, it's just, uh, and so I'll go out on my way and say, Hey, good morning. You know, and they, they look, up, they look up and they just beam and they say, good morning. And yeah. you can see that it's it's what I call the selfish act of giving. Mm-hmm. It's lifting them, but it's helping me even more. If they if I get a good positive reaction, a loving reaction for them, it lifted me even more. So I can't wait to do it to somebody else. This is awesome, Steve. Right? This is this is awesome hearing you teach on this phenomenal platform of the media giant. There's this thing where, you know, it sounds like. Um, at your age, you're you're like convicted to to help. Yeah. Um, so now with Cloudburst, right? Um, what are some of like just just to get the audience just uh you know give them more education about you know what you have going on? Uh, what are some of the um frontlining you know initiatives that you have going on right now in core in correlation with your book being out, of course that you know, you're passionate about that you would want them to be aware of? I'm, I'm not sure if I understand your question. Yeah, I think David Noble will, will edit that out, that, that yeah, he's retired. He he sold the company. When did you sell the company, Cloudburst? Yeah, it's sold it back in 2000, probably. Oh, I'm so, sorry. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, I can talk all about that or whatever whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, talk about, talk, go, ahead, go with that, go with that. Damon, yeah, ask yeah. the question, go ahead and ask the question about uh how, when you sold Cloudburst, what was life after that? Good, Dim. Yes, please, because um, I, I read about it, and um, that as an as an entrepreneur um, and uh, ex athlete, you know, I, I relate to how amazing it is in the entrepreneurial space to 
you know, go out here and create opportunities for others. Yeah. What was it about that experience that, um, you know, those who may not know about you, they should know about what you yeah. did? I just, uh, it's, I guess I look for a better way to, um, to, to make something happen is I, I can go into the whole toilet thing. I've got a patent on a toilet, you know, who would have ever thought I'm, a, I'm working with you on that, Steve. Trust me. I, that's, a, that's a shout out to somebody else that says, did you get that toilet deal yet? See that, that see the universe always works, Steve. This it's, was 10 years ago. Pretty, someone brought me with the toilet idea. So we'll have to talk about that, but go ahead. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty nutty, but the, the, the Columbus thing just came to me when I was in Palm Springs and the mist was blowing and I thought, wow, the football team, my Raiders could use that. And I uh, ended up bringing it back and put it on our sidelines and everybody flipped and loved it. And um, I my, it was my only intention. It wasn't oh, to conquer wow. the world or to cool the Olympics. It was just to keep the boys cool. And then, and then uh, I got uh, other offers to, hey, can you bring your system over here? And it was nothing new. It had been around since the 20s, cooling off chickens in chicken coops. And I brought it to horse stables. I brought it to aircraft carriers for the Navy. Okay. Um, put it in smelting plants, uh, I, I, I coal mines, uh, Burlington Northern out in the middle of nowhere. Um, it just kind of took on a life of its own. So I was just, I just, as an entrepreneur, you say yes to everything. You might not be able to fulfill it, but if someone comes at you, you say yes. And so our motto, my, my uh, partner and I, our motto was good news is we got the job. Bad news is we got the job. Now we got to figure it out. Right. You know? so, so selling so, yeah. it, Steve, how did that happen? Yes. I finally saw it. Um, just, uh, I was, uh, I was ready to move. I was, uh, I, I was just getting married. Uh, my first marriage and my office was a hundred miles away and I was driving back and forth and I was living in home depots and Costco's and Walmarts and everything with all of my product. And it was just, it was overwhelming. And I had, I was kind of over it because I had just spent so much time in the home depots, every home depot on the, on this side of the Mississippi river um and it was it was a beautiful experience and i was all in and i would bum when i'd go to sleep I, I i was tired at you know 20 hours of working and i was bummed that i had to go to sleep because i was just so into it but you know it, it burns you out after a while so it was just really easy handshake with my my partner that i brought into it i started the company and i need somebody to handle the the financial the books while i was good at outselling and marketing he handled the behind the scenes and uh, sold it to him and moved on. Um, life uh, after, because we asked the question about life after, Steve, because we never heard this before. Yeah, life, life after. Life after I uh, got married and just focused on on living with my uh, my wife. And we did a lot of traveling around the world. Um, then uh, uh, got divorced after 10 years and my my wife now lizzie her and i she was uh she was one of the board directors with a company called global giving where we collect used sports equipment so it's right up my alley everybody's got stuff in their garage and there's kids all over the world that need something just a ball to play with or whatever it is and so our our partner um uh, mark rollison lives up in milwaukee and that's the headquarters we ship everything out of there but super easy to have parents just clean out their garage and right so we're, we're moving that stuff out uh we traveled around the world i found in indonesia that you'd squat you know to, to use the the toilet there was no toilets in many places and so i brought that back and married 
the, the squatting effect with the squatty potty that everybody's got to lift your knees up and did a lot of research. And that's the ergonomically best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I flipped you around instead of looking back here for the flusher and the toilet paper and everything back here, everything's right in front of you because now you're facing everything. You're facing the toilet and it's awesome. ADA compliant. So the wheelchairs can roll up to it. And the person can slide off because it always tore my heart out to see someone stand up from a wheelchair and they're hanging on to something and they're trying to jump around. It was just like, oh, Lord, how can we make this easier? Yes. Uh, just really quick so that the audience know it wasn't a random swing. So I'm into horses. I'm trying to I'm building a horse ranch in Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just the whole cooling thing, you know, that's what made me strike up the convo. I just missed that detail. Um, it's, uh, there's there's a whole bunch more to it. So when I got him at Hollywood Park, where SoFi Stadium is now, Hollywood Park was there, the racetrack. And when I put these these misters down the middle of the stalls, horses would would set them for ten minutes on high pressure to come on every hour for ten minutes, and this heavy fog would come out. So yeah, naturally it's going to cool the air, but it's also going to settle all the dust in the air, okay. so the horses are breathing better. And yes. it's going to kill all the flying insects in there. All the, oh, all yes. the flies are gone. It's the, it's just like farm fresh air. It's just, It was beautiful. And then, you know, every 10 minutes, every hour for 10 minutes. Let's go. Um, yeah, cool. Um, I wanted to, um, I, you know, after you, you know, I wanted to act this at the beginning, but I was so excited. Yeah, and you're still into fitness, yeah. And and obviously, you know, just the mental uh, fitness as well and physical fitness. Um, it's kind of like you're, you're kind of you kind of remind me of um, you're super simple, though, which is a great way to promote the um, the Buddhist, the, the Buddhist uh, background uh, and, you know, allowing stress to roll off of your shoulders. And you kind of remind me of David Goggins a little bit. Uh, what is like some of the, the habits that you implement? right uh to you know just to continue to be full of energy to continue to be you know successful in your genres of work i I try to for sure protect um before nine maybe ten o'clock in the morning nobody gets my my pre nine o'clock i get up at 4 30 meditate for about 10 15 20 minutes set my intentions for the day i know i'm going to have a meeting with this prick today so i'm going to stay really cool uh, he's going to he's going to piss me off i'm going to stay cool and it's going to roll right off my back and we're going to come to an agreement and boom once i get through with the mental part of it then try to get in some cardio and and weightlifting um don't have to go out and i don't kill it like i used to um but go out and get the body moving um Okay. And then come back and then kind of start getting into the head stuff. I, I use a, a, a program called Elevate that I just love. It's a it's a um, mind um, app to teach you and uh, things that we use every day. It's not a it's not a game. It's you know on math or using verbs or um, right. you know some something else to really crank up your brain. Right. And then I uh, kind of just get on with doing emails and then about nine, 10 o'clock, uh, um, I do a podcast like this or, you know, um, just other, other projects. But right now it's just, I'm living and breathing the the book as much as I can. I'm on doing more social media than I've done my whole life just over the last few weeks. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it too, because I'm, I'm getting good results and it like anything else, it takes hard work. 
So I'm just yeah, you're, you're, can't get enough of it. He's definitely working hard, Damon. Best place to go right now, Steve, to purchase your book is is uh, Amazon.com, but it's it's sold, I think, something like thirty thousand other places. You know, it's at Thrifty, it's at Walmart and Target, and um, good good place to know more about me and all the blogs that I've been putting out for the last half a year. Every Sunday morning um, is WriteAuthor.com, and it's got a lot of photos up in there. It's got my my co-writer Lizzie Wright, my wife, and um, yeah, but Amazon is pretty good. I did the re recording for the Audible, so that's on there. I got the ebook, hard and soft cover. Okay. And he just keeps going, Damon. He keeps hustling. I don't, know what, I don't know what's next, but. Yeah, it, well, I'm telling you the toilet. I want to talk about this. I definitely, and this is a shout out. Somebody else didn't believe that the toilet deal would close. Maybe <laughs> someday it'll be it's because of Steve Wright. <laughs> you never know. These things come up somehow. I like it. Yeah, it's all right. coming. All right, appreciate it, Damon. Thanks again. It was a great special simulcast of the Neil Haley Show and Smarter Advice Today podcast, guys. Take care. Thank you. I've dramatically reduced the number of places and spaces that I'm in. I think, um, and a lot of that happened once I became 50. I think in my early days, I thought it was important to be visible because I recognize in many cases, you know, we're both experiencing the oneness. I'm the only one invited. I'm the only woman invited. I'm the only black person invited. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure that I felt in making sure that I was there because I felt, I believe that if I didn't show up, no one else would get that invitation. Um, I'm not sure that I was right or wrong, but that's that was what I did. Hi, and welcome to Women CEO and Reflection, a podcast dedicated to personal growth and mental health discussions with women CEOs across the globe. It's here where inspired women get candid about what drives them to succeed and the personal challenges they've encountered on their path to success. So if you're a woman on a mission, this is the podcast you don't want to miss. So sit back, relax, and let's get candid. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Women's CEO in Reflection. I am Bridget Latisse Smith, and it is my honor to be your guest host this week. A little bit about me before I introduce our fantastic guest today. In my 20s, I worked in television news. I hosted a popular talk show and I started my own first company. In my 30s, I transitioned into tech and I landed at Google. And now I'm in the third act of my life where I'm called what they, they call me a super angel. I didn't even know that existed, but people call me a super angel. It's because I write a lot of checks. I invest in venture capital firms, startups, private equity, and alternative assets. So that is a little bit about my background because we're going to be talking about that whole ecosystem a little bit today with our guest. So just wanted to set the stage. Um, so this week, this week, I have an amazing lineup of guests for this podcast. They range from trailblazing investors, private equity disruptors, and venture capitalists to diverse female founders. So it covers the whole spectrum. Together, we will explore their journey, pivotal moments in their life, and how they focus on self-care along the way. My next guest is the one and the only Melissa Bradley. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm so excited. So before the call started, I was sharing how I uh, was introduced to Melissa without her knowing who I was. Uh, we're both members of this uh, group, the syndicate, the syndication group called Gangels um, for Investors. 
And uh, so when I joined Gangels, they then um, sent me some email about a book that they published called Gangels 100. And Gangels, Gangels 100 is a collection of accomplished, inspiring, venture-backed LGBTQ entrepreneurs. So I get the book in the mail. And for, for dramatic purposes, let me just break it down. It is a beautifully well-designed, colorful, almost edible book. When you look at it, it's just delicious to look at. And it's so well-produced. And so as soon as it comes in the mail, I open the book and the pages are glossy, full of color, and it's just so inviting. So I literally sit down and I read the book cover to cover because all of the, the interviews are so, all of the stories and the people are so interesting. And that's where I came across you, Melissa. That was my introduction to you without you knowing who I was. I love it. I love it. You never, you never know uh, how people come across you. So you got to love yes. it. Yes. And then as time, as, 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 you know, as energy and, and, and the world would have it, we end up being in some, I started investing. I started getting in more immersed. You've been in this ecosystem for a minute, my love. I just became familiar with investing and, and all of these things in the last two years. So I'm starting to see your name and, and, and realize the power, the power of every room you walk into and every space and that your reputation precedes you. And so then I had the honor of meeting you in person in Martha's Vineyard earlier this year. And, uh, and it was nothing less than magic. So I am honored to have you as my guest on this podcast today. You, I'm honored to be here. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. Yes, yes. So let me do a proper introduction. Melissa's bio is amazing. And she sent, she sent me the short version. But when I went to her website, I'm like, wait a minute, there's like three pages. So I'm going to read, <laughs> I'm going to read the short version. So everybody can just understand the magnitude of what you bring to the table. So Melissa is a, is a general partner at 1863 Ventures. She is a serial entrepreneur, an investor, a professor, and a researcher. Her expertise ranges from impact investing, technology, financial services, social entrepreneurship, venture capital, and social responsibility to media. All of those things, those, that's her expertise, that's a lot. Melissa has extensive experience in the startup space, facilitating investments for startups and emerging companies and board leadership. And when time permits, it sounds like she loves to golf. So maybe we'll hear, hear a little bit about your golfing adventure as we go. Clearly, I'm not golfing enough based on my score. <laughs> <laughs> well, you your score is better than mine because I don't golf at all. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm winning somewhere then. There you go. <laughs> so let, let's start with a little bit about the early. I always love to understand people's roots, like where you grew up and the early version of yourself, because that to me is um, always the signal uh, on your foundation and how you look at life and how you see things and, and how you evolve. So can you just walk us through just some highlights of the early version of you as a, as a young person? Happy to and, and uh, honored to have this conversation. And I think you you hit upon it, right? I think the early days for most people define their trajectory. Um, so I, my family grew up in New York City. Uh, I, I have a single parent household. My father died of a heart attack when I was three months old. Uh, my mom was 40 uh, when I was born, told she could not have kids. And here I came. Um, and she worked multiple jobs to make sure that I could have a good education and, and go to private school. And one of her jobs was actually cleaning houses on the weekend. And obviously, I would go along with her uh, and I would get to see these amazing houses, uh, which probably by today's standards would not be considered mansions. They'd be Mick mansions, but I didn't know any better growing up in a one bedroom apartment. And I would hang out with the kids because many of them were kids my age. And I would and I would often think to myself and sometimes say to my mom, 
you know, these kids ain't that smart. Like, I don't really understand, but but they're just not that bright. Um, and, and I finally then started talking to the parents. And the parents were people who own their own businesses. They own mechanic shops. They own painting companies. They own various types of, of entities. And I would say, like, what's the difference between us, right? Like, they're, they're not smarter than me, no disrespect. Um, they're definitely a different color than me. Uh, and they're all controlling their own destiny. And so I think very early on, I consider myself a nerd. I realized this distinction of wealth creation as seen through the lens of race. And mm-hmm. very early on said, I want to be a business person and uh, was a was a relatively avid reader. I read a lot of biographies about people who are successful in general and then obviously successful in business and mapped out very early on. Um, that I wanted to change this thing of capitalism that I felt was clearly oppressing my family and others like that. Uh, very early on, I would say probably middle school, first year of high school, decided that I wanted to go to Georgetown University, uh, only school I applied to, got in early decision. And that was the beginning of it all, right, of, of being a finance major and really beginning to see the systems in play when I was a young person and then understanding how they work as a college student and then really laying the foundation of my desire to definitely be in finance uh, and then ultimately worked my way to to get to venture capital. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So your, your journey, it sounds like you were very clear early. Uh, which I think is a gift. Anytime you can understand and recognize where 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 um, your h- higher power, whatever that higher power is for you, but that higher power is pulling you in that direction, and so that's a gift. There was it sounds like there was no time wasted. Um, so that's amazing. So I'm I'm loving the arc, and so now you're in the venture capital space. So you're a serial entrepreneur. So at some point you must have had a couple of companies along the way. Uh, is that is that would that be true? Yeah. Yes, okay. Yes. Yeah. And so, and then, and then you decided to start investing um, and be on the other side of the house so that you could invest in companies that needed that financial support. And, and I'm sure there's way more than, uh, you know, financial capital, there's intellectual capital, there's connection capital, there's all these things, but walk us through a little bit about how you, uh, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit and then the investor side. And now you're, I'm going to call you a mogul in the venture capital community. You are the goat. And so uh, I'm telling you when I want, when you show up, people, it's like the party of the Red Sea. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. And so I'm just like, okay, uh, I want to go where she's going. <laughs> so walk us through, how did you get from, from that mission, that, that early mission and that passion and that, that clarity that you had for yourself to get to where you are today? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, I attribute it to being 55 and having lived through many economic cycles. And unfortunately, many investors who left the industry and never came back. And I kind of hung in there. And I think my ability to hang in there was because how I started, I actually started as an angel investor. Uh, when I started my first company, I went to the SBA, uh, which I'd say has changed, uh, to get a loan. And they told me no. And and I said, well, why? So the score woman said no. And she said, well, because you have three strikes. And I was like, is that it? Well, come on with it. And she said, well, you're a woman, uh, you're black, and I don't know any successful black women in financial services. Now, that's how old I am because it was financial services, not fintech. Mm-hmm. And luckily, my mom, you know's image and and the whisper said, "Get out before you do something you will regret." And so I ended up leaving, and I was quite upset. And in the elevator ride, what I said is, you know what? I'm not going to let this lady pers- you know dissuade me and and if ever I am successful, and I can make sure that no one can ever make that statement again, then that's what I aim for. Mm-hmm. And so when I had my first financial services company, I was able to be fortunate to have an exit and started to become an angel investor and realized how complicated that was. I, I had no idea what I was doing. 
Um, I had no idea what I was doing at all. And, but, but really learned. And, and I think found and understood the the uh, distinction between small businesses and and, and startups, high growth startups, um, but got a chance to do some things well and do some things wrong. And, and then from that point on, realized that it was going to be important for me to toggle between being an entrepreneur and being an investor. Um, oh. So I, I sold a, another company last year, which was actually a tech company, which was great. Um, was venture backed. So it was, I, I now have that perspective of what does it mean to be on the other side of the table, having been an investor. Um, definitely enjoy being on this side of the table more of actually making investments. But it is helpful to have those roles to both for, for probably three reasons. One, to just understand what does it take to be on the supply and demand side of capital. I think two, to be able to draw a line through the ebbs and flows of the capital that we've seen in the various booms and busts. Um, and I think the third thing is that I come to this now with a high level of compassion uh, for entrepreneurs, uh, understanding what they're going through as they're actually growing and building a business. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many threads in what you just said. I think when you just said that last year you sold your venture backed company, the word exit popped up, right, for me. And there's so many founders that I come across that don't have an exit mindset. So can you just touch on that, just a heartbeat about how important is it to have an exit mindset, even when you're in the early stages of building? Yeah. You know, I tell entrepreneurs that the to me, the best businesses have been those that respectfully, not just organically started and kind of grew, but had a very clear end goal in mind and reverse engineered that end goal. And so the co-founders and I, we were very clear. We wanted this to be a very successful company. And I think under, we, we had conversations earlier on like, Who's our potential acquirer? What are the benchmarks we need to meet to get acquired? Uh, and then fortunately, in the end, had, had two people to choose from. But I think you have to be intentional. I think, unfortunately, many entrepreneurs are even unclear what their exit strategy is, right? I think they grapple, particularly if you're an entrepreneur of color, you grapple with, do I want this to be a general wealth, general wealth, uh, generational wealth mechanism, or do I want this to be just a wealth mechanism for myself? Uh, mm -hmm. And I think it's possible to do both, but I think those are the... Mm -hmm dichotomies we create. So we were very intentional in, in terms of thinking about how much money we needed at what times. We were very clear uh, targeting around how many customers we had to get, when we needed to uh, be break-even, when we needed to be profitable, how we would gradually decline our customer acquisition costs. Um, and I think that if you talk to many folks who've had an exit within, I'd say, a five to seven year time period, ours was with, with less than three, mm -hmm. I think it was because they were very intentional. That's what they wanted to do. And I think mm -hmm. we have made it seem respectfully harder than it really is. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's hard, don't get me wrong, but I think if you are very clear that you're starting a business based on your own expertise and skills, and you think about what you want the end goal to be, then you start to surround yourself with the onset of who your potential acquirers were. And ironically, we did. Uh, we mm -hmm. actually at Salesforce with one of our investors, but ironically, they didn't buy us. But we knew that in working with them, we would understand what that pathway was, and it would give us the visibility to, to other potential acquirers. I love it. I hope uh, I hope folks who are listening to this are taking some notes because I'm trying to keep up. It is I, I cannot wait to listen to this again because I'm sure I've missed some of the gems along the way because I'm I'm focused on your energy and your and what you're describing and I'm also thinking how do I apply this to my world? How do I share this knowledge and information with the founders that I I touch and impact on a regular day to day basis? So. Oh my goodness. So let me just take a breath. So the next thought that comes to mind, you are everywhere. 
everywhere. I see your name everywhere. You're, you have your impact report, your annual impact report is just full of, of like you said earlier in the, in the intro, I mentioned that you're a researcher. It definitely comes across in everything that I see that has your name attached to it. So there's so many things going on in this space in the venture capital world. How do you balance all of that goodness and then all of your intellectual capital and experience and um, the, the rooms that you're in um, you are, you are everywhere. Like I said, you have, you are a really, you are the greatest of all time. So how do you balance that with self-care and mental health to make sure you take care of you so you can contribute to all of those spaces and all of the people that are relying on you? Yeah. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Um, it's funny. I've dramatically reduced the number of places and spaces that I'm in. I think, um, and a lot of that happened once I became 50. I think in my early days, I thought it was important to be visible because I recognize in many cases, you know, we're both experiencing the oneness. I'm the only one invited. I'm the only woman invited. I'm the only black person invited. And there's a tremendous amount of pressure that I felt in making sure that I was there because I felt, I believe that if I didn't show up, no one else would get that invitation. Um, I'm not sure that I was right or wrong, but that's that was what I did. I think as I've gotten older, um, and so I think at some point, self-care was like, it'll happen when I get older. Um, in 2019, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2020, April 26th, April 25th, 2020, I had a stroke. Oh. Um, stroke because of a heart condition. Uh, oh. I had been fib for months. Actually, my family and I were in Ghana when everybody was doing the return. Uh, and my Apple Watch had said, like, something's not right. And my wife went to medical school and she's like, let's let's watch that. When I got back to the States, I went to the doctor and like, yeah, something's all right. Let's just try some different things. And, and during that time of really trying to figure out what the issue was, I had a stroke. Uh, and then subsequently, uh, seven weeks later, I had heart surgery. And that was just, that was it, right? It, mm -hmm. it, it, was, it was the recognition. I had had that moment earlier when I used to travel a lot back and forth. Actually, at one point, I had a job on the West Coast and lived in the East Coast. And I would remember my kids' eyes crying when I went to the airport. That should have been enough, but the the trauma that I saw in recognizing that I could die, uh, unfortunately, was my wake up call. Right, Yana Van Zan says, first you get a tap, then you, first you get a whisper, then you get a tap, then you hit the brick wall. I think I was on my oh, way, oh. brick wall, and so I I was supposedly taking six months off. I think I took three and a half months off. Um, but during that time, I had to really reprioritize a what was important, um, mm -hmm. and I think what and and also what was important to me, and what was the signal that I was sending to my kids around a work ethic. Um, mm -hmm. I realized that in hindsight, when you read their school projects, I was sending the signal that work was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. It was not the signal that I wanted to send. Um, although it may be how I was showing up, that's not what, what I had learned. And so I really, you know, from during that time in COVID, obviously being locked up, really began to spend more time with my family, reflecting on what I should be doing and really thinking about where I show up. And so I, I don't say this to be, uh, to brag, but I probably don't go to at least 40 to 50% of the things that I'm invited to. And what's but crazy about that, Melissa, is that it feels like you're there. Because right. you're in the right rooms at the right time, right? Process, right. And and I think I'm mindful of, um, and, and it's been great because I've expanded my network. Um, I'm mindful that when I get an invitation, I don't decline it. I think about who else can I send to show up so that mm. we stop the oneness. And, and I can spread the social capital I have been privileged to get. And then I'm hyper-focused on where are the rooms that either they've said no one else can come <laughs> Or I know I need to be there because it's a chance for more than one of us to be there. And we want to break the door open so other people can come. Mm -hmm. um, so very different aperture uh, upon which I analyze where do I show up and where do I not. 
Um, and, and I think I also show up where I actually think I can give value. And you alluded to it. I'm also a professor at Georgetown. And as a finance person, I'm hooked on numbers. And I find that there are probably more rooms now that I go to slightly more because I recognize the the negative impact of bad information. Mm-hmm. Um, either lack of information or bad information, I think, runs the risk of, of causing a level of regression within the growth and, and success that entrepreneurs of color have had. And so I do find myself you know, showing up in very specific circles as an investor, specific as an entrepreneur, and now very specific circles as a researcher to be able to help demystify that it is a plausible and viable option to invest in entrepreneurs of color and expect a significant return. Mm-hmm. What, what does it look like? Uh, because you cover so much ground, you cover so much ground. So what does it look like on a day-to-day basis when you're in the midst of it all? And, um, and, and I, and I understand the, the, the reduction of, of your, your say, conserving your energy and, and being intentional about where you physically put yourself and how you intentionally leverage your social capital and spread it across. So my question is on a day-to-day basis, uh, what are, what does it look like for you to take care of yourself? Yeah. So I wake up every morning and I pray and I meditate. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I pray and I meditate before I get out the bed. Uh, and then I got the bed and exercise. And then usually I hit the shower and get ready and, and go to work wherever or wherever I'm supposed to be that day. Um, I have an aura ring. Um, so it buzzes me to get up and walk. Um, so I usually take breaks at least once an hour, even if it's just doing a lap right around the building. And what um, is that exactly? I've never heard of that. It's an aura ring. Um, so oh. it's, it's kind of like an Apple watch and a ring, but it, it came oh. out many years ago. This is version two. Um, and it came onto the scene because the NBA players wore it during COVID because it tracks your stress level, it tracks your heart level, it, really? tracks, your sleep, it tracks your exercise, and it's a lot less cumbersome than wearing a, a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and it shows trends over time and you can share it with whoever. So I think I'm, I'm mindful of how many steps I want to get a day. Uh, it you know, it buzzes. Uh, I get an alert on my phone when it's like, hey, it's time for, you've been sitting too long, get up. So I'll walk around the building. Um, even if I don't eat lunch, I'll, I'll make sure I walk around the block at least. Um, I've now tried to minimize and eat salads at lunch. I do intermittent fasting. Um, I try to have my biggest meal before eight o'clock if I haven't done it during lunch. Um, I'm a big tequila drinker, so I try to just get everything done. Um, <laughs> I know there was more than one reason why I love you. <laughs> and then on the weekends, I don't work um, unless it's absolutely imperative, which is which is the new norm. Because before I would get up really in the morning on both Saturday and Sunday and work before the rest of the family got up. But my wife, who actually did go to medical school, said, you know, two things she used to say to me. She goes, you know, you're not you're not curing cancer. So like, sit your ass down. And then (laughs) I love her, too. She said, you know, even Obama goes to his kids basketball games. Like, what are you doing? And I said, well, because we're working, he can go to the basketball games. But but I got I got it. And and so um, so I don't work on the weekends unless there's some really huge deliverable. I have the privilege to live in D.C. by Rock Creek Park. So on the weekends, I try to get my five miles in a day uh, and and really just focusing on what I'm eating, um, conscious about weight, uh, conscious about uh, mental engagement. And so have different things that I do, apps or whatever, just to make sure I'm staying engaged. Uh, I'm following uh, the protocol of Peter Atia, who wrote the book Outlive, which is now my favorite book of all time. Um, and, and I think journaling as well, like just mm-hmm. really 
spending time reflecting on what's left for me to do. Um, at the age of 55, I'm, I'm mindful that I don't knock on wood. My mom is 95. I don't expect to die anytime soon, but really being thoughtful of what is it that I need to do so that the stroke and all the work and hours I put in do not regress. And so it is showing up in more boards and pushing more people onto those boards. It's mm-hmm. being in rooms and saying, no, 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 don't just invite me, invite this person. It's getting opportunities to speak or keynote and say, I can't, but I got somebody. Like I'll be there, mm-hmm. but I got somebody else. And I think it's really making sure that there's not just replacement, but there's scale in terms of what options are moving forward. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the time and, and I know we have to, to wrap this up so you can probably have your tequila. I have a curious question. Have you invested in a tequila company as an investor? We ha- not yet. We've invested in spirits, mm-hmm. uh, but I have not invested in tequila. I am a tequila snob. And so respectfully, I haven't found any that I like just yet. There is okay. one that is on its way to coming to market that I'm taking a look at. But right now it's mostly been other spirits. Okay. Because I find as an investor, I definitely put my money in things that I am familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I drink vodka. So I'm looking at, I'm looking to invest in a vodka company. So I'm doing my, yeah, I'm doing my research on that now. I'm t- my, research is the, my research is at the liquor store. So <laughs> I got to try the product. They need your help too. So we are there. We are there. Yeah, that's a part of my self-care formula. Well, I'm going to say uh, this has been truly a fantastic podcast opportunity, time, et cetera. Everything about this has just made my day. Um, And I thought I had a terrific day until now. I think you just really capped off my day. So I just want to thank you, Melissa, from the bottom of my heart for just allowing us to have this conversation with you and and to understand who you are beyond, you know, you know, the, the shiny book I got in the mail, like that was my intro to you in the very beginning and look at us now. So I'm, I'm honored and privileged to just be in your circle. And I thank you for your time today. I'm honored to be here with you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. So everyone, thank you for joining uh, Women CEO in Reflection. Again, I'm your guest host this week, Bridget L. Smith. Please find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you. Melissa's on LinkedIn as well. So uh, we'd love to just stay in touch. So thank you again for your uh, attention. And, and I hope you took some good notes because I know you're going to need to hear this once or twice to get it. So thank you. Thank you for listening to Women CEO in Reflection. To reach out to one of our guests, their contact is in the description of the show. Do you want a total mindset transformation? Apply to Mindset Warrior, The Art of Intentional Thinking, my personal coaching boot camp at IamAMindsetWarrior.com and schedule your call with me today. Thank you. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. My guest today is Tracy Poisner of Undeletable Dad, uh, TracyPoisner.com, Bach Flowers Alchemy. Tracy, how are you? And our topic today is upper limiting. Limiting. Uh, kind of explain what that means. Yeah. So you just told me that that was a new term to you and I maybe for your listeners too. Um, it, it is what it sounds like, you know, it's um, it's a psychological syndrome by which you um, you prevent yourself from exceeding your own perceived upper limits. Okay. So every time we get in a situation, this is, this is a phrase that was sort of coined by Gay Hendricks in his book, The Big Leap. That's a book from, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe. It's it's not a new book, but it was a really impactful one for me. And 
what he explains is that we have this weird way of pulling ourselves back into our comfort zone of happiness, of success, of um, prosperity, whatever it might be, that uh, we have an idea of where we're where we're comfortable, how much success is comfortable for you, how much happiness or like per personal relationship happiness feels comfortable when you have kind of more success or more enjoyment or more happiness than you think you deserve, than some part of your mind thinks you deserve, you'll sabotage yourself to, to bring yourself back down to where you feel happy. It's like, yeah, I don't get to be at a 9.5. I'm comfortable at 8.2. And let's go back there. So that's where you sabotage a relationship or you mess up a a, um, a business meeting or a, or a client call so that you don't land that big account or whatever mm -hmm. feels that like that would be more success. I, than and I see this. Can I handle. absolutely a couple years ago did not think I could get clients that I can get today. Like uh, right. one I got this week because of the amount and scope of multiple projects I was able to close because I was limiting myself upper limit, like seeing this level, I can't go any further because I'm not worth this an hour. I'm not worth this uh, situation. And I told myself, I can't do that. And it was through one person that told me and then everyone else after I heard it from that one person, everyone believed in me after that. It's just very, very weird how our mindset goes and who we're hanging out with that finally somebody tells you, you, you can be something really big. Then you hear that one person say it and then you believe it. Then everyone around you believes it. And you know what, Neil, the one person who you need to hear it from is yourself. You have to be able to get to where you can change your own inner narrative because it still doesn't serve you in the long term if you always need someone from outside of you to be standing there to tell you that you're worth it and then now you have to you have to go through life looking for that person or continually phoning the same person and saying tell me again that i can do this tell me that i deserve to have this relationship tell me that i deserve to you know in the case that we're talking about that I deserve to um, get full custody of my kids. Tell me that I deserve to be um, in a, in a loving, you know, sort of well-connected relationship with my children. Tell me that I deserve to have this, you know, outcome from my custody case. Tell me that I deserve to sign these clients or whatever. It's, it's never ending. And it's not a conscious thing. You're not really telling yourself that you don't deserve it. You realize after, after you right. get over it, that you were telling yourself a story. And then the people around you, when you have that mindset by yourself, that are trying to tell you you're not, you have to just either separate yourself from that person completely or kind of limit your time with that person if they right. are saying it. You don't need them to tell you you can but you don't need them to tell you you can't right right exactly exactly because the you know you don't want to hang around with people who don't want to see you shine your brightest light like you, the world is full of people who will appreciate you when you are um when you're 
achieving your maximum potential, right? Like people are going to be attracted to the best version of you. You don't need to hang around with people who are trying to in some way stop you from going after what you what you could do if you let go of all your preconceptions. And that's and that's the the hard part. And it's probably of people that are you consider important people in your family or different things. And you have to just have those conversations. Like, I don't think this is not right for you to say something like that. I truly believe. And if they continue to say it, then that's it. But I, I understand what you say in my journey. I needed one person to tell me they believed in me when I ultimately should have believed in myself all the time and, and just took the other people away and said, get away. I would be better off, but we all go through that journey. And that's what you do to help people is there is a specific place, but they can go to such a higher level if they start to think they can do it themselves. That's it. Um, it, You know, it's just, it's about changing our way of thinking about ourselves. And many of us would find it very easy to champion someone else and say, what's the matter with you? Of course you can do this. I, I know you can do this, but it's really hard to for us to learn how to really genuinely say it to ourselves. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Well, but so that's sometimes that that is very tough to do. And it has to do with your childhood, right, Tracy? It has a lot to do with your people you've who have disappointed you in your life that you start to believe you can't do something right? Which is a shame. Sure. And, and at the end of the day, it's not so important where it comes from, because everybody has a story from their childhood. This is how we're, we're made. We have those seven formative years, and they establish our kind of framework of how we're going to move through the world. So everyone alive has some story or conditions from their early childhood. The point is that you believe that stuff. Now you believe those lies and illusions today you believe them right now and you can change your belief right now let's see that's fabulous now what ideas can you give somebody today who's struggling with that where up when they get to upper echelon they don't want to go they, they don't believe they deserve it what, what should they work on well first of all i would recommend them to get hold of the book the big leap by gay hendrix and you know that's in and of itself, that can be really resourceful because he talks about recognizing this tendency and how to change your self-talk around that. But this is the work that I do with through what I call Bach flower alchemy, which is a system of um, both of working psychologically and using um, vibrational medicine, energetic medicine to to support these psychological changes so that it's not just a, a head game, but you can actually um, take an energetically coded um, substance that is going to help your body to actually be able to host this new frequency that feels uncomfortable to you right now because you're used to a distorted frequency. And it's going to help to allow you to just uh, feel some extra freedom around these new beliefs to, to really lock them in so that they feel true in your body because we can play a mind game with ourselves of saying, I think it's true. I think it's true. I think it's true. Like the little train who could, you know, for that children's story. 
And if it's not true in your body, then you are still going to have an uncomfortable sensation when you exceed um, a limit. And my work is all about going after these, like what's beyond what you think your limit is. That's where I want to play. That's the kind of work that I love doing is working with people who are curious about what is beyond my own glass ceiling, my the glass ceiling of my imagination. What's on the other side of that? What could I be reaching for if I completely believed that absolutely anything was possible? Limitless. That's what you got to be is limitless that you just, there's no limit. You can't, it's, you're going you're gonna to be able to break that ceiling and look at the highest level. And that's very tough for people to look at. And that's something I guess that AI could not teach somebody literally because they'd say, oh, why am I going to trust AI? I need somebody else to give me the.